would you open your Bibles and turn to the book of John. Book of John, chapter 7, and verse 17. John, chapter 7, and verse 17. It is always a privilege for me to have the opportunity to open up God's Word. And it has been a long time since I've had that privilege in a Sunday morning service, so I am very thankful to be here. Even though I had somewhat short notice, I found out on Wednesday that I would be preaching today, but I also was gone on Thursday and Friday to teacher's convention. So, if I am a little bit reliant on my notes, I hope you'll forgive me. So this morning, John chapter 7 and verse 17. John chapter 7, verse 17. We're just going to be focusing on this one verse this morning. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. We're going to dig into this verse. We're going to look a little bit at the verses preceding this verse as well. But before we do, let us pause and ask for the Lord's blessing. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this verse. We thank you for the reminders that it has given me. We, we ask that you would help each of us to think through and apply the truth in this verse to our lives, even today, we ask. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. So, as I mentioned, Thursday and Friday of this week, our school staff here at Calvary went to an uh, educator's convention down in Oxnard, California. This was my second year attending. And the convention is just a really good time. It's good for our group, for building camaraderie, being a team together. But it's also good just to fellowship with other Christian school teachers from around California. And then there are these workshops and sessions that we go to. We hear preaching, but then we also get ideas of how to be better teachers in the classroom. But whether it's something like a teacher's convention, or maybe you've gone to a men's retreat, or a women's retreat, or a youth rally, or maybe it's just a Sunday morning church service like today, it is easy in a place like this to hear preaching from the Word of God and to go away determined to do better in your walk with the Lord, to do better in reading His Word, to do better in reaching out to others. But then Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and suddenly that desire that we had to really persevere and walk with the Lord, that desire has just faded a little bit. The mundane has set in. The pressures of work have come. The stress of relationships has grown. 
And we no longer remember that determination we had. I want to encourage you this morning that it is possible for you to live your life in a way that pleases the Lord. But I also want to challenge you and to challenge myself that living a life that pleases the Lord requires a change in what we desire. Sometimes we don't even know what the Lord desires that we do in a certain situation. And I invite you to come back this evening. We'll talk about determining what the will of God is for our lives. But there's something that I want to talk about this morning that comes before we determine what the will of God is in our lives. And that is, are we willing to do God's will before we even know what it is? Are we willing to do God's will? To be someone who is spiritually discerning, someone who understands what is right, what is wrong, who understands what is true, what is false. To be that kind of a spiritually discerning person, I must desire what God desires. And so, I have a simple question for us this morning. And I want for each of us to think about this question. That is, do I desire what God desires? Do I desire what God desires? Do I desire in my life what God desires in my life? Do I desire to do the things that God desires me to do? Do I desire God's work in my life like God desires to work in my life? This is the question we are going to think about this morning. So let's look again at John chapter 7, verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Here we are in John chapter 7, and in this context, Jesus has come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is very interesting. I was looking this up yesterday, and I came to an interesting realization. Today, or more technically this evening, is the beginning of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I didn't plan the message because of that, but I found that an interesting point. So, what is this feast? It is a feast where the Israelite people would construct some tents or booths, these outdoor makeshift dwellings that they would then live in for a week. So if you were a Jewish person, you, may, you might already have it constructed and you might start living in it this evening for a week. The purpose of this feast was to remind the Jewish people of what it was like for those Jews coming out of Egypt, traveling through the desert, living in similar tents or booths. So this is the setting. Jesus 
is at the Feast of Tabernacles. And about the middle of the feast, he goes up into the temple and he begins to teach. Now, interestingly, the Apostle John, who wrote this account, doesn't tell us what Jesus was teaching. Let's pick it up, verse 14. All, we don't see what Jesus was teaching. We only see that Jesus taught and that the Jews were astonished by what he was teaching. Pick it up with me in verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, or they wondered, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? In other words, how is he so eloquent? How is he teaching when he's never had a formal education? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. What is he saying? The teaching, the doctrine that I'm giving you. It's not original with me, but it's from the one who sent me. It's from God the Father. And then we come to our text in verse 17. If any man will do his will, the will of God the Father, he shall know of the doctrine, the teaching, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Jesus is saying that his teaching is not his own, it is from the Father. And in verse 17, he's saying that there is a way that these people, these Jewish people, could know for certain whether his teaching was completely his own or whether it came from God. And what was that way which they could discern whether his message was his own or whether it was from God? is found in the beginning of verse 17. If any man will do his will. That's where I want to focus this morning. This is a conditional statement. If anyone does the will of the Father, they will know. They will have this discernment to know that this is truly from God. But let's, let's break down these words. First word is the word if, which indicates that it's a condition. If the first part of the statement is true, then the second part must also be true. Next two words, at least in the King James, are the words, any man. Now, for the ladies here today, this does not exclude you. Any man here is a translation of the word that simply means anyone. If anyone will. Now, if you are like me, you see the word will followed by do, and your automatic thought is, this is a future tense verb. If anyone in the future does my will. If anyone will do his will. Or maybe you think, well, that doesn't quite make sense. How could it be future? Because we presently need to do God's will. So then maybe you think, well, it's like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods. Because that, that sounds like a future also, right? 
but it's a present command. Well, you'd be closer, but that isn't what's going on here either. This word will is a verb all by itself. It means to desire. If anyone desires to do his will, if anyone wishes, if anyone wants to do his will. So again, I'm going to ask this question. Do I desire what God desires? Because we've got this word will here twice. We've got, if anyone will, so that would be my will, my desires, and then we have his will, which would be God's will or God's desires. Do I desire what God desires? And I want to emphasize this to you. You can't wait to see what God's will is for your life before you choose whether you're willing to do it or not. The first step in following God's will for your life is desiring that will. Desiring what God desires. I must desire what God desires. So I ask you, do you desire whatever God's will is for your life? Do you desire that? Folks, we have a word for that. It's called submission. I want whatever God wants for me, even if it's not pretty, even if I don't like it, I still want whatever God wants for me. The Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans, after laying out how beautiful our salvation is, the life that we have in Jesus Christ, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies, or because of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your, your whole being to God, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove. And what is it that he says that we should prove? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will. Does our will align with God's will? Do you want to know what God's will for your life is? I think most of us do want to know. And then we sort of want to say, God, tell me what your will is. And then I'm going to decide, yes, I like that one. Yes, I like that one. No, we'll skip that one. I mean, if, if we were being honest, that's what we would, that's really how we would like to approach it. But that's not what God requires. He says, if you want this spiritual discernment, if you want to know truth from error, then you've got to start by desiring what I desire. You have to start by desiring what God desires. So the Jewish people claimed 
that they were in a predicament. They were in a quandary here. How do we know if Jesus is who he claims to be? How can we know? And Jesus' answer is so simple. He says, if your desire was to do what God wanted you to do, there would be no question. And I think of a man like Simeon. He didn't have to wonder if Jesus was the Messiah. He was looking for him. He knew. And these Jew Jewish people were not looking. They were not desiring God's will. And that's why they wondered, what's going on here? Because they, weren't, they were not desiring God's will. So again, this evening, we're going to discuss the, the, the what of God's will. What is it that is God's will for our life? How do we figure that out? But, and one of the things we're going to talk about this evening is the primary place where you find God's will for your life is in God's Word. This is the primary place that you find God's will for your life. But there's a danger. If you come to God's Word without first submitting to the God who inspired this word, then you are going to be tempted to say, well, I know that this isn't really what the Bible says, but I found a verse that supports what I think and what I want. So I'm going to use that verse. Just don't look at the verse before it. Don't look at the verse after it, because then it will prove me wrong. But I'm going to use this verse, because it's what I want. Well, we have to start by desiring what God desires. So let's consider two aspects to being a spiritually discerning person. First, there's the exclusive aspect. Only those who desire what God desires will have this type of spiritual discernment. But second, there's also an inclusive aspect. Anyone, anyone who desires what God desires will have spiritual discernment. It is limited. It's limited to those who are willing to submit to God's desires. But it's also open. It's open to anyone who's willing to set aside their own desires and to choose the desires of our God. We see in this verse the word anyone. So let us pause right here. Do we as humans naturally have a desire to do what pleases God. Do we naturally desire what God desires? No, we don't. Our desire, our natural desire, is to please ourselves, to do what provides us with the comfort, the convenience, 
the prestige, the popularity, we don't naturally say what John the Baptist said about Jesus, that he must increase, but I must decrease. No. We want our own way. We don't want God's way. Book of Romans tells us that we have all sinned. And what is sin? It is choosing our own way instead of God's way. It is rebellion against Him. We have all sinned, fallen short of the glory or the excellence of God. And that has been the default for humanity since the beginning. Since Adam and Eve sinned, they chose to rebel against God. And that choice of theirs brought upon the entire human race this tendency that we have to choose our own way, to desire what we want rather than desiring what God wants. We do not naturally choose what God desires. But there's encouragement for us. I may desire what God desires. I mean, Jesus spoke these words for some reason, right? Someone is able to desire what God desires. This is possible. It is not only that we must desire what God desires, but we actually are able to. We may do this. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became a man, added a human nature to his already perfect divine nature. The creator of the universe became one of his created beings, a human. Why did he do it? So that he could suffer so that he could die in my place on the cross, taking the punishment that I deserve for choosing my own desires rather than his desires. And instead of the punishment that I deserve, he gives me a perfect standing before God. I am perfect in God's sight, because of Jesus Christ. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit of God has come to live in me. And that Holy Spirit of God produces his fruit in me. The fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. God gives me new desires so that I can desire what God desires. The Bible says if anyone is in this new relationship with Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Now, does that mean we no longer struggle with our selfish desires? Do we no longer desire our own pleasures? Do we no longer desire what it is that we want? No. Paul would say, 
by no means, or God forbid, we do still desire our own way, too often. And that is why Paul, in Romans chapter 12, has to exhort the believers, has to beseech them to give themselves in submission and in sacrifice to the Lord. So my desire this morning is that each of us would be encouraged that we may desire what God desires. It's not impossible to please the Lord, but it is possible only in reliance on Jesus Christ and in submission to God and to the Holy Spirit who indwells us. So if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you. You don't have these desires to please the Lord. But perhaps this morning, for some of you, the Holy Spirit is convincing you through the Word of God that you have been choosing your own way. You've been desiring your own desires. You've not been desiring what God desires. You have been living in rebellion against God. May I encourage you that you can have a relationship with God so that you can desire what God desires. I encourage you to cast yourself in trust and faith on Jesus Christ. He died in your place on the cross. He died for your rebellion. Claim his death as your own. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is deliverance available. And really, this is the question we could ask anyone in the world. Why would you suffer eternally as a rebel against God when Jesus provides deliverance? Yes, it requires humility. It requires that I submit to God, that I no longer seek my own desires, but that I seek God's desires. But isn't that worth it? I encourage you to call on him today. And for those of us, which I believe is the majority here this morning, for those of us who have already trusted in Jesus' death in our place, let us not forget what he has done for us. And let us remember that his Holy Spirit lives within us. And we do so often try to extinguish his work in our life. We rebel against it. We want to do our own desires. May I challenge you this morning as we leave here with this question. Do I desire what God desires? You want to know what God's will is for your life? I think most of us do. Begin by submitting to him before you have any idea what that will is. The Bible really doesn't have any place for someone who says that they can trust in Christ 
and then live for themselves. That's a contradiction in the Bible. If you have trusted in Christ, that means that you've recognized that you were living for yourself and that the consequence of that lifestyle is eternal death, eternal punishment. And it, trusting in Christ, it makes no sense to continue living for yourself. And I'm preaching to myself as much as to anyone else here this morning because we all struggle with this. We desire our own desires, but let us instead seek to desire what God desires. What are your desires this morning? Do you desire to live for your own pleasure, for your own comfort, or do you desire what God desires? And I'll leave you with this. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me.